Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I don't know if I, I mean, this is just a fact. I don't know if I've ever played the same song the same way twice, ever. Even if it's the, and you got to hit the main points, you yeah. know, like the big, the fills, people remember the grooves, the vibe, but like little things, even if it's like, I'll play it open hand versus closed. Maybe I'll take it down to one hand fill versus three. I remember we did um, Polish Woodstock, which is the biggest show any of us have ever played and still ever played. It's like over the weekend, there's over half a million people in that open, it's the largest open air festival in the world, right? It's, this Crazy. is 2014. And Wit would make fun of me because he's kind of like anti-rock and roll. He likes to go around, like, you know, mess with people. So I had like uh-huh. a six-piece kit. And throughout the tour, he kept daring me to take drums away. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, yeah. And we were at a four. So I was at a four-piece with like two crashes, right? Hi-hat China. What I play now, like very stripped down. And he goes, I bet you you won't take down one of the cymbals. And I go, <laughs> I bet you I will and take out one of my toms. So we did the biggest show we've ever done in our entire lives. I did it with a three-piece, a hi-hat wow. ride, China crash. And I remember there's a couple parts of the show, and I didn't think about this ahead of time, right, where I kind of do these drum breaks, and they're very choreographed on purpose. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like halfway through the song, I'm like, oh, shit. In like 30 seconds, I have to play this drum break, and I don't have half the things I'm used to hitting. <laughs> and so, like, but that's the thrill, right, is the riding yeah. the line, you know, of how far – you know, fuck it. Let's see how it goes. Run for the song podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Drum for the Song podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Today's guest is Zach Morris from Ugly Kid Joe. How's it going, Zach? What's going on? Good, man. Doing good. Uh, it's funny because you're, like I said, 8 p.m. And I have the sun going on because it's striking noon right here. So beautiful. You know. Yeah. 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 And you're in California, right? Where yep. so- Southern California. So it's an area called like the Inland Empire, right? It's basically uh, 80 miles north of San Diego and right. about 100 miles southeast of L.A. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. So like there's LA, Orange County, San Diego, right? And the mountain range that runs right here. I'm just cool. on the opposite side of the mountain range from Inland Empire or from uh, Orange County. Oh, wow. It's actually known as uh, Temecula is known as the wine country. So as far as this region, Southern California goes next to Oxnard, there's like miles and miles of wineries out here. So it's well known for that. Ah, cool. That's a, a cool place in the world. Much cooler than where I live in Wales, but it's dark and it didn't rain today, but it normally rains most days. And <laughs> I wish, dude. We get, I'm not even kidding. This year we've had six days of actual rain. And even then it's maybe like an hour of what you guys would go, a light drizzle. You know, wow. it's, and that's why we live in a desert. Southern California is just a desert with palm trees that we put here. That's true. That's true. You, you near the coast at all, then. How far yeah, are you from the coast? Uh, I could probably get to, so I'm maybe as the, the, was it as the crow flies, um, 30 miles, uh, from the, the beach, but the way I have to get there, I could probably get there in 45 to an hour. You just got to cut across the mountain range. I'm in okay. a really cool spot. So I rock climb also. So I mean, hence all the rope and shit on my, can I cuss? Is that a thing? No cussing? Yeah. Everyone cusses. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I got a bunch of rope and shit on the wall. Uh, so it's the only place I know of where in one day you can go to the mountains and rock climb. 
or mountain bike or during the winter go ski or snowboarding and then go over to the desert and go like duning and then like go to the ocean and go surfing all like in the same day it's crazy that's amazing man that's so, that must be so good for like like i know you do all those things or most of those things and i've seen like on your instagram page which is at zach morris drums it's a little little plug yeah i've yeah. seen you've been doing the, the mountain climbing stuff the rock climbing that looks really cool i've never tried it myself but um i know a few people that kind of do it locally um and there's like purpose-built indoor like climbing walls and stuff and they always say like you should really give it a go is really good for you and and yeah i just need to try it but yeah i'm sure it's I'm sure it's really good for you man so um but all those things and the weather being near the ocean must be so good for your mental health yeah um, i mean i think things like that like it helps me personally knowing i can do little things and get out there and you know burn some calories is so good <laughs> yeah yeah. be active you know actually it's funny you mentioned it because uh wales south wales actually has a bunch of world-class climbing walls there and there's three uh world-class climbers that are from wales specifically they're really difficult walls the problem oh, wow. with it is like you said the weather is not always great so you have if you have like one day that's a good window of weather like you have to do it because you don't know that could be like it for like two months yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's pretty much right especially like doing the kind of non-summer months it must be you know near impossible sometimes but yeah i didn't know that about there being yeah. really famous places around here maybe that's why there's a few people i know that do it but yeah. cool yeah because i'm in south wales that's where have you I, i'm trying to think did you did you ever play south wales with ugly kid joe is cardiff part of south wales yeah 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 so actually my first show ever with ugly kid joe uh i got the the gig when i was 24 and the it was for the first tour was opening up for alice cooper uh Whoa. so it was alice <laughs> cooper and then ugly kid joe and then below that was uh duff mckagan's band loaded so they were opening <laughs> for us what right and so yeah. the first show ever was at cardiff wales in that arena and yeah. I, was, I was 24 all doughy eyed. I never left the country before. I paid like $600 to get my passport like next day because I didn't even have time to get a passport, like the proper procedure. It was crazy. Um, wow. And we get there and uh, we're about to kind of go on in like 10 minutes, right? And then Wit, my singer, comes up to me. And you know Wit, he's very, he's an unusual guy. And he comes up to me, he's like, by the way, Duff, McK Duff McKagan and Phil Campbell are going to come out and play Ace of Spades with us at the end of the set don't fuck it up and then walks away. <laughs> this is my first, I've never played a show with them before. I've done like a week of rehearsals <laughs> and they know me for three weeks, maybe. And I'm like, okay. And I remember getting on stage and, and I was in that arena. And I was like, if you fuck up anything in your life, it can't be this. Right. And it was such a cool moment. And I remember at the end of the set, you know, cause uh, Ace of Space has that da, 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 da at the very end. Yeah. So I cue those last three hits and I swear time froze. You know, as a drummer, it may take a half second, but in your mind, it takes forever. And I'm looking around and I see Duff and I see Phil and I see the rest of the band. I see 6,000 people all waiting for my cue for those three hits. And I'm like, I am God. You know, it just, <laughs> it was such a surreal moment, man. And that was my first gig. And I, you know, it was really cool. Yeah, that's absolutely insane. I didn't know that, so I'm glad I asked the question. Yeah, now. yeah. So that's, I mean, Cardiff always holds a place in my uh, my wow. heart because, like I said, it was my first. That was my first uh, show outside of the United States of America. I think I, I went to England when I was like eight, so I don't even really 
right okay that, you I know remember that yeah yeah. I, my big question is why wasn't I at that show? I don't understand why. That's a, that's, I don't know, man. I don't know weird. why you weren't there. No, you know? I, I've like I know Alice Cooper has done a few kind of arena tours, and he does play Cardiff quite a lot. And I definitely went to see him there. But Motorhead were open for Alice Cooper, so I was there at that one. So I don't know if it was around the same time, but oh yeah, well, this, this I, was I wasn't there. <laughs> Sorry, in, uh, early November two thousand twelve. I believe. Okay. No, no, it was it was mid October because I remember later that tour it was only a two week tour and later in that tour was Halloween so ah. it was like mid October 2012. I think I was on tour with my band at the time Straight Lines because I remember that was when our second album came out and gotcha. around October November we were touring loads so that was probably why I wasn't there otherwise I would have been there man for your first show but oh, wow what it's a funny story. because like <laughs> I I've you know met Phil. A, half a dozen times between then but i don't think i met you until 2016 no not until we did that, that tour together yeah so it was, was a good fun. four years you know before i actually met you in person and like the rest of the dudes yeah yeah oh it was such a great time and i guess that was fairly early on in the the, the bastard sons uh yeah. career career if you call it that but uh, yeah that was, it was great and um it was only like it wasn't that many shows it was maybe five or six yeah, it was really short-lived. Yeah, unfortunately. And what's funny is that shirt I still wear. Like, it's one of my favorite shirts. I cut the, cause I cut the sleeves off all my shirts. Um, yeah. I still wear that. I wore it last night yeah, when I was climbing. Guns. You got yeah, it, man. Sun's out, off. guns out. You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's you, funny because, you, you like, whenever <laughs> – so I, you know, use drugs off and on. And honestly, I still say touring was the only thing that kept me alive because I would do drugs. I, I was a, a meth addict, and um, I would sober oh, up just long enough to, to go because I knew I'd go on tour and I didn't want to be sick on tour. So I would stop using like two, three weeks before tour so I could get healthy and, and get myself. And then tour, you know, I'd, I'd be clean all tour. I had no problems. And then I'd come home. And then within two weeks of being home, I would go back out and use again. So uh, I'm literally only alive, A, by the grace of God, too, by the fact that I had something to intervene with my use, you know, because I was wow. always on tour. I never would do these like you know, year long benders. I could only maybe do a couple weeks, a couple months. Cause then I had to sober up for tour and uh, speaking to a bunch of other friends, my buddy, Sonny, who I played in ugly kid Joe with Sonny Mayo, he had a very similar story where he would sober up for tour. I think that's the thing for a lot of um, musicians, you know, people still ask me, they're like, wasn't it hard to stay, stay clean and sober on the road. And I'm like, honestly, for me, it wasn't because I was so satisfied with what I was doing. Like I didn't need the drugs and I didn't want to be sick because I wanted to be capable. It was when I came home and I had time and wow. a little bit of extra money. And like, I wasn't, people were yelling my name and asking for autographs. Like I had a girlfriend that was like barking at me and I had to like pay bills and I was a, a human and I didn't know how to deal with that. I was living in like the myth that is, you know, rock stardom kind of thing which is a myth you know yeah um because yeah. we're all just people that's really it exactly. um that i couldn't handle it and so you know doing those tours actually helped sustain me i think because i probably because i have type 1 diabetes i probably would have gotten sick and died part way along mm -hmm. the way you know well for you shocking I, like number one I, I didn't know about the the meth issue to be honest i didn't know that um and and like you said, it, to me, it surprises me that you could be sober for a tour because that's where a lot of musicians, from my experience, kind of that that's their downfall is being on tour, being on the road. And that's where the temptation lies. 
Um, so it's, it is, an, from my point of view, it seems unusual that you're the opposite with that. I guess play, just performing and playing drums, I imagine you were getting enough buzz from that. Yep. Um, which, you know, you're, you're a fantastic drummer, great musician. Thank you. I can imagine. Yeah. It's likewise with me. I'm not, I've, you know, I'm very lucky. I've never, you know, I've never, I don't think I've ever been like addicted to anything. I like a beer every now and again, but being on the road, I just enjoy playing, playing music. And yeah, you know, if I can have a celebratory beer at the end of the night, but I can, you know, I can just stop. I can stop and have one or two and that's fine. And the other thing I was going to say, and you know, without kind of going into detail, I know what some of the other boys in Ugly Kid Joe are like and, yeah. and what, what they get up to. So being around that and not, you know, not being tempted to take part in, in all that stuff, uh, you know, they like to party. Um, you know, fair play. Congratulations. Well, I don't know if congratulations is the right word, but just, <laughs> you know, pro- props to you, man, um, for being able to do that. And yeah, you know, I, you know, maybe we can talk about this in a, in a little while about you know, the addiction issues because I've had a few other guests with similar stories. And I think it, you know, if anyone's listening that's gone through something similar, I think it all helps and it all, you know, it all helps hear from someone. Uh, that has dealt with that so um yeah. and you know you were so you were re- you were really young as well then so yeah wow man that's so I, uh, uh, well i started doing drugs when i was like 16 and uh 16. so i i i played drums i started playing drums at like 15 16 just for fun and i wanted to be a professional baseball player right that's what i thought oh, right. okay. and uh so i played like my freshman year in college and i was like fuck this this sucks i'm going back to and I, I moved to illinois so i moved back to california and there was this like two-year window where i was living in southern california i had i was like working at a pizza place and just doing a bunch of like cocaine and partying like nothing really special yeah. and uh, i remember my dad talking to me when i was like 19 right and he called me a slacker and like that crushed my soul and he meant it out of love he's like what are you doing dude like you're being a slacker and i was like huh? and i played drums for fun right and I, I still remember what made me want to go to la i didn't know what i wanted to do with my life right but i i just was like i need to do something different and there was this uh band in the my hometown called the elm street rockers and they were like the cool dudes right in town they were in there like you know they played the local bars like they were the cool local musicians right and we're, i remember one night we were partying with them and this the guitar player davy he's like hey man I, uh we lived in this like weird little house we rented and uh he's like dude can we I, my birthday's next week can we throw the party here i was like yeah dude rad how old are you turning i'm 19 at the time remember he's like 35 and i just <laughs> and i just my whole life just flashed before my eyes and i'm like this is what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life i'm gonna i'm just gonna live in this town and you know what i mean i just I freaked out because I saw my bubble being this big. And again, there's no, nothing wrong with it, but I just knew for me, I wanted something different. So I didn't know what to do. And this was like in May of 2008. And I remember my birthday's in July. <clears throat> and on my birthday, there, I, I, real, uh, I had another friend who had mentioned this school called Musicians Institute in Hollywood. And I just, I, I wanted to play drums. I, that's the only thing I liked doing was playing drums. It was fun. So I applied and I got into the school and awesome. by October 3rd, I rented a U-Haul back of my Jeep and drove, you know, 200 miles north to uh, L.A. and moved and lived in a room and went to school. And that's just what started my drums. Uh, but long story short, I'm looping it back to this. I thought that moving to L.A. would fix my addiction problem. Get to L.A., 
now I'm fixated on drums. So I'm just yeah. replacing one addiction for another. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, which worked out for my benefit. Um, and then I gigged for like three and a half years for free just around LA. And then I took two tours around the U S but like not for money. Like we're, you know, broke doing the thing. And, uh, through those tours, I met a couple people and by the grace of God and, and some of those connections, I got the call to do the audition for ugly kid. So I did the audition against like 20 dudes. A lot of them are substantially older than me. Wow. Um, and it's then I got the, yeah. And then I got the call back and, and, uh, I got the gig and then that's that story of my first show in Cardiff. Wow. So yeah, so I, I wasn't sure whether you knew the guys beforehand or you just heard that they were they were looking for a new drum and new audition, right? That's what happened. And- it, it's funny because yeah. I never heard of the band before, ever, right? And so I'm I'm 24 and my, I have an older brother who's living with me. He's 10 years older than me, right? So at the time he's right. like mid 30. So he grew up in the Ugly Kid Joe era. I didn't. So I got the call to do this audition because they were friends with the dude that I used to tour with. So my name got put in the pot. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like a band going out with Alice Cooper. I'll take that audition. I tell my brother, I was like, yeah, it's this band, ugly kid, Joe. And he just was like, what? I'm like, yeah. Do you know? Like, I had no idea. So, (laughs) and I remember I showed up early on purpose to the audition, right? I busted my ass. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to crush this. Right. So I show up early. And I kind of watched the dude auditioning before me. And I just, I could tell, I was like, okay, at least I got this guy unlocked. And I just <laughs> remember the way he's talking to the dudes and, you know, this, oh my God, it's nice to meet you guys. And I have like, it's, I think I was a benefit to me because I walked in not knowing who they were. So I'm just like, what's up, dudes? Like, I had no, I was like, I don't know who you are, but let's play some music. And uh, so I think it was instantly a little more relaxed, you know? Mm, yeah. So, so it kind of worked out in my favor, I think. Wow. What a hell, what a story. And yeah, you were, you know, you were killing it, man. When I saw you, I can imagine, you know, even though there was a lot of competition there, I can see why you, you got, you got the job. So yeah. So, um, so wait, let's go back. I normally talk about this. So when you were learning drums, I guess you got into it fairly late compared to some people who kind of get into it when they're a lot younger. So who musically, what kind of drummers were you kind of looking at, looking at and listening to and inspired by the most? kind of during the early stages you know um i always liked my brother's a musician he's 10 years older than me he plays guitar and uh i always liked listening to his music so he listened to a lot of like speed metal a lot of early metallica a lot of punk rock so like circle jerks fyp um okay. early no effects you know so i got really into that thrash and just like the violence of it um you know he took me to go see cannibal corpse when i was like 14 so i got really into that death metal heavy just aggro right we like to mosh and you know my brother's kind of a nutty dude so i got into that with him and my my best friend played bass and my brother played guitar and i always kind of wanted to play the drums i was like well i i want to play a music an instrument so i bought i bought a drum set when i was 15 because i had a job i was so we have minor league baseball here in my town right and i was the mascot of the minor league baseball team. And with that job, I saved up enough money to buy like a shitty $300, which is like what? 220 pound drum set, like used, like no one ever heard of before. That was mine, my drum set. So, so my brother had taught me how to play some basic like punk beats, like FYP beats. And, um, I remember he played me a nine inch nail song, March of the pigs. Um, and it has this cool, like five, eight, segment in it it's like you know it's this little side extra beat yeah and 
I remember just thinking that was so fascinating, like the odd time. And I was like, I'm going to figure this out. So I did. And uh, I was able to do it naturally. He's like, oh, whoa, he kind of got, he thought that was cool. And um, so we, I kind of developed a lot of on what he knew and then parlayed it. And I remember what made me really want to get serious about it was um, my brother, I won't go into the story of it, but ended up with a CD, a Cradle of Filth CD, the band Cradle of Filth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was Damnation and a Day was the album. And he played it for me. And like the first track is this orchestral, huge, you know, hit section with a blast beat following. And I was just like, <gasps> I was just flabbergasted. And then like the next song had this cool, these double bass spurs. And I was like, yes, yes, I need to do that. And I remember within like two weeks, I went and bought my first double bass pedal, which is like an Iron Cobra. I had cool. that thing for 10 years, you know, nice before I got with Pearl. And, uh, yeah, so that got me into learning how to play metal. Um, so a lot of, you know, early Cradle of Filth. Um, who else, man? Uh, you know, Thrice was a, was a big one for oh, me. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I love, go, dude. A lot of Artists, friends are into that, yeah. It's great. The Artist in the Ambulance is still one of the best albums of all time. Mm. Like, I could listen to that at any time, anywhere. Um, I got really into, like, post-hardcore. Or I guess at the time it was just, like, you know grind Corey, but uh like um shoot i'm like drawing a blank on all the bands you know maybe because it's on the spot but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I got really into that metalcore scene uh or you know as i like dying of course yeah and uh, i would just try my best to hear it and mimic it because there was just something about that aggression that like mm. visceral response to drums that you get you know and yeah. you know what i'm talking about like there's yeah, something I athletic about it and pushing yourself beyond that point you know, to, to energize yourself into the music because the song is going to live up to whatever we put into it as a drummer. People don't realize that, you know? Yeah. The guitar, you know, this the feel and the notes and the bass is the root and the singers like the voice, the energy is the drums. I right. And that, can, that, yeah. and that can make or break a song that people don't even notice it. So I always was like, I'm going to put everything I have and more into each one of these songs. Cause I want to bring it to whatever it's supposed to be at. And I think I just held on to that throughout. And then I had a couple of buddies that play guitar. So we just would jam. And uh, I never took a lesson until I went to MI. I just, right, okay. I just played by ear. Nice. You know? And then I went to MI and I got trained and I learned how to read music. And I, I learned all these patterns and coordinations. I remember getting there and uh, some of these kids that were there, man, well, I had over 300 people in my class and some of them were just amazing drummers, just flawless. Right. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't that good but I knew how to work. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to out practice everybody. So everyone would practice two to three hours a day. I would practice four to five hours a day. That's right, it. Okay. Yeah. And I did it for like three Amazing. years straight. Wow. And uh, through that, the class dwindled. Right. And cause people, people don't want to take rejection. So people would quit. Yeah. They drop out. Yeah. Yeah. They would drop out. So out of the 300, like 30 of us graduated out of those 30, four of us are working. Wow. The rest have quit. You know, and, and fair enough to them, but it's just, it's, you know, it's hard It is when, hard to when you realize it. you got to put a price on yourself and you got to be able to take rejection. You got to be able to fuck up and take it gracefully. And um, there's a certain mentality that goes along with being successful as a musician versus just capable as a musician. Yeah. You've, you've got to be willing to take, make so many sacrifices to kind of start or start, even try and start some form of career out of it out of it if that's your goal and yeah you know you've got to play gigs for 
free or not of next to nothing and yeah. network and it can take some time and i guess you know i i guess i know a lot of amazing musicians but you know they do something else for a living and you know they pick up a guitar once a month maybe and or you know or play drums in a cover band and you know that's it and um, it's a shame because they're so talented and i think you've got to have a certain mindset and be really dedicated to want to do it for a living and it's hard you know and, and talking you know talking about covid it's been even harder um we've all had to make sacrifices for that but uh yeah it sounds like you've got the right attitude and you always did have the right attitude to kind of to kind of grind and you know it, you've got that break with ugly kid joe in the end um which it sounds like musically probably wouldn't have been your ideal gig to be honest it was it I remember when we, when we first were doing uh, the routine because they're used to playing with like Shanna Larkin from Godsmack, who was all like swagger and feel and like slinky, skinny. You know, you've seen Shannon play. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. And I'm used to this rigid metal, like perfect, like everything's flawless. And I yeah. literally remember them saying they were joking. They're like, can you play it worse? Like, And what they meant was like, they're like, chill the fuck out, bro. Like, relax. I remember I yeah. asked them, I was like, what's the BPMs on the song for the click track? And they're like, the fuck you talking about a click track like and i had to learn how to groove because i learned how to blast beat first before i ever learned how to like play a money beat make it feel good and yeah it's um, different it's a whole different energy and uh there's a sense of presentness right you're not reading the script you're maybe given a prompt like and metaphorically like but a lot of it's the ad lib and the feel and the vibe and and it's a team effort not everyone is the kobe bryant playing with the kobe bryant and then more it's the guy have to play as a unit, you know, and, and it's organic and it creates that it factor that um, people pick up on, you know, it's that intangible energy that's kind of getting surfaced through. Um, it's a really organically amazing thing, man, uh, getting to perform at a level with other amazing uh, instrument players, you know? Yeah, it's really I'm cool. And, and we're blessed to be able to to do that on whatever form that is. And, you know, in respect to the people that want to just do it for the weekend, if that's their thrill, their joy, and that makes their heart full, I, cool. more power to it, man, all day. Absolutely. All day. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, yeah, if, if people are still playing fantastic and yeah, like you said, um, playing with other, other great musicians, you just get a buzz out of it, even if it's just for fun and it's not a gig or whatever. And yeah. I've been speaking to my my friend who's a great bass player. And I'm just like, I was speaking to him the other day. It's like, I've never really played jazz. I don't really know how to play jazz. I know a little bit, but I've never really played it with other humans before. So I said, do you, and I know he's a, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a jazzer. So I said, do you fancy getting together someday where maybe we can find a guitar player or a keyboard player who, who he might know just to get into a room and just play for fun. And I'm hoping that's going to happen soon. And yeah, just, man just for the enjoyment of playing the instrument. And, you know, when you're in, when you're in a band, it's the buzz of playing in front of a crowd is amazing. Um, but, you know, if you're just playing with the same band all the time, it can be, a, you know, a bit musically, I don't, I don't know the word, but playing the same songs all the time. And I, I think you, you probably used to improvise a little bit more than me. I don't, I don't tend to improvise much during the show with, when it's like our band. So I feel like uh, kind of just, Apart from the actual buzz of, of the show and the, the crowd, I feel like musically, I'm not really getting a lot out, out of it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, if yeah. I'm playing it's, with... 
It's like, it's yeah. like being, it's like saying the same sentence every single day, the same yeah. way, every single day, you're going to get really tied at it. And I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if I, I mean, this is just a fact. I don't know if I've ever played the same song the same way twice ever, even if it's the, and you got to hit the main points, you yeah. know, like the big, the fills, people remember the grooves, the vibe, but like little things, even if it's like, I'll play it open hand versus closed. Maybe I'll take it down to one hand fill versus three. I remember we did um, Polish Woodstock, which is the biggest show any of us have ever played and still ever played. It's like over the weekend, there's over half a million people in that open. It's the largest open air festival in the world, right? It's, this Crazy. is 2014. And Wit would make fun of me because he's kind of like anti-rock and roll. He likes to go around, like, you know, mess with people. So I had like uh -huh. a six-piece kit. And throughout the tour, he kept daring me to take drums away, uh -huh. right? Yeah, yeah. And we were at a four. So I was at a four-piece with like two crashes, ride high hat China. What I play now, like very stripped down. And he goes, I bet you, you won't take down one of the cymbals. And I go, <laughs> I bet you I will and take out one of my toms. So we did the biggest show we've ever done in our entire lives. I did it with a three piece, a hi-hat wow. ride China crash. And I remember there's a couple parts of the show and I didn't think about this ahead of time, right? Where I kind of do these drum breaks and they're very choreographed on purpose. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like halfway through the song, I'm like, oh shit. In like 30 seconds, I have to play this drum break and I don't have half the things I'm used to hitting. <laughs> and so like, but that's the thrill, right? Is the writing yeah. the line, you know, of how far, you know, fuck it. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. And uh, I remember like doing these fills and I like do these crossover fills because you have to reach something and it just, at the end, you're so elated, right? Because it's, it's like you said, getting to say a different sentence and it, it creates an energy. People pick up on that. And, you know, it's, like you're saying, like, I always look at drums professionally a little bit like acting. We're characters in a way. And we yeah. are organically us, but we are playing a role. And I, you know, I would get calls to do, I've done, I've played with Head PE. I've played with bands like Raw, uh, this other rock band. I played with Dorothy. Uh, I've played in prog metal bands. And um, they all have a little bit different archetype of a human you need to be. So not only is it you're performing the songs, you're, I need to perform the songs as the character that would organically create these parts. So your fills improvise differently if I'm this guy versus this guy. But the key is to have the vocabulary big enough to know your crowd, yeah. you know, and to be able to speak with other musicians. So like you're saying with the jazz guy, you may not have played jazz much, but once you build the vocabulary, you can step in and play that guy and other jazzers are going to know your language, you know, and you can step into the rock dude and you can play like Bonham with his big open boomy slouch back. You can play with the yeah. metal guy, real stiff, rigid, tight, elbows in, quick. You know, it all has a different archetype of, of your approach to where the drums is the last piece of the puzzle. You know, it's how you're going into it ahead of time. You know, that's, 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 how, I, I, that's how I think about it. That's the most fun for me. You know, yeah, that's an amazing way to describe it, man. So, yeah, thanks for that. And it's great to know that you, you know, you have played all those different styles. And I think you can, you're in the position to, kind of say those things and that's a hilarious story about taking all the drums away yeah. like I, I should maybe try that man that's it's fun yeah, it dude you play, yeah it makes you play different it makes you play different and yeah definitely that's you great. wouldn't believe how many different surfaces like you'll tang yeah. like the edge of the ride or the, the crash you make one crash on like three crashes by how you hit it you're yeah. in different crossovers because you have one tom so you're like mute it's <laughs> where I got it originally was I saw uh, Dillinger Escape Plan, one of my favorite bands of all time. Chris Penny, yeah. one of my favorite drummers of all time, um, play. And he did a lot of those uh, sets with a three piece. 
he did all that Dillinger shit with a three. I mean, not all of it. He had a four or sometimes a five. And I think now lately in his career, he does a lot of six piece stuff, but right. that OG Dillinger stuff is a three piece or Matt nice. Halper from uh, periphery. He had the ridge, the OG periphery, that fool is playing three pieces. Wow. And it's like, I saw that and I was like, it's, it's amazing. Cause it forces you to be so aware of your instrument, you know, yeah. and, and, and the facility of, and like you said, when you start moving shit around and, you get it. You say you play the same song every day, but if you do slight variations on your, your kit setup, it feels like a completely different set. And it's, it's like the first time you ever played and it's so thrilling. Yeah, man. Maybe I should do that. We're on tour in November. So maybe I should, I should play around and have fun every night, man. That's great. Oh, so your, your guys' tour is going through. It's happening. I hope so. Yeah. I think I really ours, hope so. Yeah. From what I heard last time when I talked to Wit a week ago, ours, um, our November oh, really? stuff. Our, yeah. They don't want Americans right now. No one wants Americans. Well, I, well, I thought it was more that. Well, I know a lot of American bands have pulled out of things in the UK. I assumed it was more to do with just the restriction. Well, because of what you need to do to get in, really, and the yeah. isolating and all that shit. So yeah, I can it's imagine tough. it's it's not really. Yeah, that's a shame. So and I, it's, I don't it's know. not feasible financially because really think about yeah, it. Like, of course. say we're touring, we're a week in, and we have two weeks left. Uh, someone gets COVID cool. Now those shows are postponed or canceled hotels for everybody for two weeks. Like it's just a costly endeavor for yeah. a potential risk. That's let's be honest. It's a, it's a great chance that everybody at some point is going to get this thing. It's just, it's just the reality of, of humans, right? Even if yeah, you feel yeah. symptoms or not, it's going to pass through us. Yeah. And absolutely. so I think cost, cost efficiency too. It's just not there, you know, I, also. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, to be honest, I I would if I was in your position, I don't think I would risk doing an international tour, knowing that those kind of restrictions are in place. Um, and and because of what you've got to do, if someone gets it, um, yeah. But I guess there's still that risk with us. But at least you know we can come home if we yeah. have to cancel or whatever. You know, and it's not going to. Yeah, we'd lose. We obviously, would lose money. Um. Hopefully it's a different can, impact for you guys. It's, different, it's totally yeah. different, yeah. I mean, no, shit, even, even doing the Judas Priest thing we did a week ago or two weeks ago. Yeah, um, I was going to ask about that. <laughs> it was, oh, it's an amazing experience. But it was like a uh, very precaution of measure situation. And uh, I know it ended up being very costly as far as like, I don't think Witt expected to spend as much as he did just on some of the things we had to deal with, which is fine. It's just part of the game. I mean, it that's what you got to do to get to the thing, which was the experience. But, yeah. um, you know, I was sitting there, I was watching how Judas Priest production and they have a big production, man. You know, they got two buses and I think the two buses are just for crew, you know, huge everybody. I'm just like looking at how they have to operate. And, um, it's just like, man, to do a month, two months, three months, just in the States of that, that's, you know, it's just what an interesting time we are in. Yeah, we're living I through, you know? And pretty, yeah, it's pretty surprising that a band like that are actually going ahead and doing such, you know, such a long tour. I can, you know, I saw them at a festival the other day. They played Bloodstock Festival in the UK. Oh, nice. You know, I, I can imagine them. It was amazing. It was, it was the first time I'd ever seen them. So it was cool. But like, I can see bands like that doing kind of festivals, but kind of taking the risk of going on the road. Um, and I, and the other thing is because, you know, they're an older kind of band, you know, they, I guess they're more at risk and yeah. you know, Rob, Rob Halford, I know he's, he's, he's getting on a little bit and he I, just turned maybe, 70. 
70 was it? Okay. 70 yeah. years old. And then yeah. uh, I don't know how old the bass player is. Scott Travis has got to be in his 60s. Um, yeah, and, then, really. and then the two yeah. guitar players are, you know, younger bucks. They're probably in their early 40s or something yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, you just, and we got to meet Rob, which was amazing. Actually, I, saw your, I was. I saw your photograph, man. <laughs> oh, I purposely got right next to him. I purposely made sure in the photo, Klaus went to go stand next to him, and I just like, nope, that's my spot. Yeah, you know, uh, it was. He's such a gracious and cool guy. But it was funny because when Scott Travis came out, right? Scott's tall. Scott's like six five, six four. Is he? He's a oh, big, wow. big guy. Really cool, real nice. And uh, I was. St- I couldn't speak. I don't get starstruck much. You know, or when I do, it's the most people that like no one, like Scott Travis, for the most part, can walk down the street. No one knows, yeah. you know, and I'm like, uh, uh, hi. Uh, and then I just like I'll go back to my dressing room. Like, I totally fucked that up. You know, like painkiller. I mean, that's another one of those songs. Like I hear I can play. I can still play the entire song painkiller just in my head. Like I can play it with no one playing with me because we've heard it so many times, you know. Um, and so to get to meet that guy, you're like, oh my God. And Rob Halford was awesome too, but, uh, which, but I was totally starstruck over here, Scott. Nice. You know? Nice. Yeah. It's, it's quite cool. I, I think I would be the same with, with me, it would be like, if I met Travis Barker or someone like that, that's yeah. like, I know, I know he's kind of a megastar now anyway. And even though if, even if he wasn't a drummer, he, you know, he's with a Kardashian and all that, but like. Like I grew up listening to his music and playing along to the Blink One Eighty Two records and stuff. And if I ever got to meet him, I would be totally starstruck. I think that would be my equivalent. That'd be your dude. I, <laughs> yeah, the, the probably. Most, yeah. To me, the most non-famous but famous to me person I ever met. You know the drummer Vinny Caluda? Of course. Oh yeah, of course. Right. So he's a drummer's drummer. Every drummer knows him. And I lived in L.A. I moved out of L.A. in two thousand nineteen. So. I'm back like outside of LA, but I lived in LA proper for like 12 years and I've been all over the Valley. You know, I, I gigged around. I never met him in person, even though he lives there. Right. And so this was, uh, right before I'm going into like my last stint in rehab, like, which was, uh, January of 2019. Right. So, uh, really no, it, yeah, it was the end of 2019. I yeah. had a little sin of sobriety and then I like had this bad breakup and I just, yeah. I fell out of it. Um, so I'm about to go back to rehab, right? And I go hang out. I was like, my buddy lives in LA. I was like, let's go hang out for the weekend. Cause I'm going to go into rehab on Monday. So I drive up there on a Saturday. And I'm not doing hard drugs or anything, but I was like, let's smoke some weed. I hadn't smoked weed in forever, right? Okay. So I, I smoke weed and I'm, I'm ridiculous. I'm so stoned, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm almost too high. So we're like, let's go get food. Well, neither one of us want to drive, but he's in the valley. So we're like, well, we can walk like five blocks to this restaurant. Cool. So we start walking and I'm walking. And I'm so stoned just looking around. And I look to the right and I see a guy smoking. And I'm like, that looks like Vinnie Cauda. And like everything froze. And I was like, oh my fucking God, that's Vinnie Cauda. And I'm just like, like super high. And I want to like tell my friend, I'm like, bro, but I, he won't know who he is. So I just walk over to him and I go, excuse me. And he's some guy smoking a cigarette. I'm like, are you Vinny Cauda? And he goes, yeah. Like, like he doesn't know. I'm like, you're my favorite drummer of all time. And he's like, oh, cool. Like he didn't even think I was like a fan. He's like, do I owe you money or something? Like, oh. and, and people are walking by us, like in between us. He was just out to dinner with his like wife and he went outside to smoke a cigarette and I'm nerding out on all these videos like I know of him and all these gigs he's done. And he was so like, yeah, man, like 
just stoked that someone was fanboying over him and my friends yeah, yeah. with me and i'm like this is vinnie Calyuta. you don't know who that is but he's like the greatest drummer of all time and i'm freaking out and then like afterwards i was like did that actually happen like out of <laughs> all the times i live in the valley doing my drum thing the one time i'm up there and i don't even live there anymore the one time i'm up there stoned of course before <laughs> about to go to rehab my life's in the shitter right the worst version of me i meet my drum idol and i'm like well that was cool at least yeah you know that's kind yeah. of a nice little bonus for the day um yeah. but that was probably the i freaked out over that and i like took a picture with them and then i never posted the picture because i looked awful oh, <laughs> I, was right, like, okay. <laughs> I was like this is just for me you know just for you oh that's, uh, that's super cool man i think yeah. he's so many he's so many people's favorite drummers he's obviously yeah drummer's favorite drummer yeah he's a but, drummer's um, favorite drummer very few yeah. people even other musicians are like who or like bro if you knew you would know. You know if you know what he's done. Yeah, I go and I was. I think he was meant to be touring with Jeff Beck earlier this year or last year, and I had tickets in Cardiff. Ooh. So hopefully they'll reschedule that. Cause I really want to see him live, man. It'd be, it'd be epic. I'd love him to come on here. I don't know if that would be a reality. He's got his Dude, own podcast. If you, if you listen to that, it's pretty cool. Breakfast with Vinny. So yeah. he had actually. Uh, he had just started that when I met him and he oh. literally told me, he's like, dude, go on, check out this podcast. He was plugging it with me. Oh. I'm like, yes, sir. Anything for you, sir. You know, okay. um, I mean, he might, dude, he's, he was super cool. Like, and down to earth and just, just stoked. So awesome. I don't know. I say, take a shot at him, bro. Hi, I hope you're enjoying this episode of drum for the song. I just wanted to briefly interrupt the interview to tell you about my Patreon page, which is a place where you can support the podcast and, of course, support myself. You can um, sign up to one of the three tiers on there. There's one that's £3 a month, one that is £5 a month, and one that is £10 a month. There are loads and loads of exclusive benefits to signing up, including bonus episodes, merch discounts christmas card for myself um if you sign up to the top tier i'll send you a pair of my drumsticks um loads of other stuff so go check it out it's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song and um another way you could support me if you're interested if you're not bothered about the patreon thing if you go to my official website drumforthesong.com you can send a donation via paypal so, um, yeah, thanks for watching this and enjoy the rest of the show. Run for the show podcast. Let's go a little bit, talk a little bit more about your kind of highlights of your time with Ugly Kid Joe so far in terms of, I know you've supported loads of big acts and that seems to be one of those slots that you get as, you know, kind of, well, the, Early nineties was was when Ugly Kid Joe got really big, and you know they had a few big hits and big albums and stuff. And but musically, I always think it's slightly grungy, and but hard rock, slightly grungy, and that even element. Some of the songs are kind of like funky, so you're quite a unique yeah. sound. But so you get to support lots, like quite a variety of like larger acts. So I, you mentioned Judas Priest that you did the other day. So how, number one, how did that go down with, you know, did you go down really well? And oh, it went, it went, it was amazing, man. And, um, yeah. you know, like you said, because this, the band has such a variety of stuff, they have, I like, 
we've played over the years, maybe 30, 40 songs, like, you know, in an interchangeable in the set, even though yeah. many more, but so we get to pick, we're like, what crowd are we playing for? We should put in this song because it's a little more metal or this song. Cause it's a hard rock crew or this one. Cause it's more fun. And, um, you know, wit's the best at theater. You give wit crane a microphone in front of one or a million people and he will entertain them. He's, he's the great. best at that. And so he's really good about, vibing the energy sometimes you know as a drummer you got to be on it with him like sometimes he'll just give you a look like no talk time play the song other times you got to read he's going to talk for five six seven minutes oh, and, right. okay. and, yeah. and it's like a character act you know it's like we're a yeah. sideshow so you got to read them so uh i think having that as an element with all these different varieties but we've i mean kiss um aerosmith uh obviously alice cooper um We've done a lot of co-headlining stuff with Skid Row. I mean, it just, we can play to any crowd. And I think that's the fun of being in that band because yeah. that, that band. So when we played Judas Priest, right, we had, they, they pulled up a back, a black backdrop. So, you know, all the priest stuff's covered and it was just, uh, I had no drum riser, like a four piece. It's us, no back tarp, just Nothing. five dudes up on stage, like a garage band. And just being able to rip and entertain. And I think that's the thrill of it is, is we don't have a set theater. We are the theater. So we could adhere and adjust and call audibles a lot easier than maybe other bands can. Um, and what's funny is like you said, the, the two biggest songs that ugly kid Joe is known for casting the cradle and everything about you musically are probably like the kind of lamest, like really yeah. think about everything about you. The joke is wits. Like, let's just pull that. Let's pull both of them from the set. Just pissed everyone off, you know. But because uh, did you did you play them the other no, day? No, no, we ha you have to oh, play right. them. But that's yeah, the yeah. joke. It's because they're yeah. so like, it's just yeah, you know. And uh, but there's so many other rad, especially like musically beautiful songs that they've written over the years. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Those dudes are incredible musicians, and I think that's also part of the the fun. Is you're like, how's Ugly Kid Joe? opening up for all these rad bands you know and then but then you see it live and you really get to see you're like oh shit like those fools can play yeah and yeah good oh, songs. absolutely and they're all, they're you know, all great it, musicians everyone in that band is a great musician and you know which an incredible singer not mm -hmm. not just a frontman his 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 vocals are, are amazing and he can, he's got such a he's, well, he's got his own kind of style he's got a great range and you know his, his pitching is great and He's just, he's just cool. His presence. Yeah, he's just cool. cool. Yeah. You know, and then we all have our, our, our things that we do. And it's, it's really interesting. And, you know, Dave, uh, it's, it's funny. Cause I mean, Klaus wrote a lot of the songs, but also Dave is an incredible musician and producer and wrote so many beautiful tunes for that band, you know, cause Dave after ugly kid broke up in 97, uh, went on to do producing and, and he, he's multi I mean, do produce that first Evanescence album. He produced yeah, yeah. All Hope Is Gone by Slipknot. I mean, he's he's millions of records sold just as a producer, aside from Ugly Kid Joe. He's, yeah, that's insane. insane. You know, Cordell is one of the, the greatest just natural bass. I mean, not naturally he's trained, but like as a bass player, you can give him the most kind of stale song and he'll put a bass line on it. He just, you're like, oh my God, Klaus yeah. can fucking rip. So it's, yep. it's cool to be able to be in that band. And, you know, what's grateful about it too is the band had its run, it was about six or seven years in the 90s, right? From like 91 to like 97, done. Broke up for many years, got back together in 2011, kind of just for fun. 
right? But then put out the EP, so really started touring in 2012. It's 2021, meaning this version of the band has been around longer than the original version of the band. Oh, yeah, when you put it like that, yeah. Yeah, we're going on nine years. I Technically, I'm the longest-running uh, drummer of this drummer, band. yeah. 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 Mark only lasted like three years. Shannon only did like four. All right. I'm, yeah, a, I'm like nine years in, you know. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's a great story, man. And yeah, I, I didn't really think about that. I didn't really know about the actual um, hiatus, they say, you know, I guess. I, I guess that's the word they use a lot. But yeah, was that 13 years? They broke up yeah. for 13 wow. years. Wow. Something like that. And they all did I, their other things. Like Link uh, went and did medication in another animal. Dave went and produced. Like, so they all had their other things, you know. Of course, yeah. And I, yeah, but the end, there's obviously a demand for it. And I was, I was about to say, you're also like a great festival band. You can kind of play any kind of festival, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm sure that seems to be the case. And I, I notice your, well, hopefully, you know, I think, I'm sure it'll go ahead. You're playing Hellfest next year in France, which is a great one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're doing that as well. And you, you've got some more touring in the UK. You're supporting Thunder, yep, which is quite a cool one. Um. And you, well, if it, uh, what's the other one I wrote down? Faith No More. You're playing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Faith, in, uh, Faith No More in, in Finland, Finland, I think. Yeah, yeah, that one's going to be, you know, and it's That's... funny too, because a lot of people, like, I don't, like, I'll be on Instagram scrolling and I'll see a show or a, a like a flyer. And it'll be yeah. something like you'll post it for your band. And I'm like, oh, dope. He's playing that. And I'll look and like, we're on there. I'm like, oh, I guess <laughs> I'm playing it too. You know, like, yeah. No yeah. one tells me that I just, they just call me ahead. They're like, Hey, you available for these dates? Okay. And then huh? I find out on Instagram what they are. Like I found out about faith no more from the flyer huh? on Instagram. So I'm like, Oh, cool. Let's do that. That's, um, that's, that's, that's going to be so cool. If you know, yeah. if that goes ahead. I, yeah. I, well, just recently I, I, I know Mike Patton had, had announced that he's canceling a load of dates because of mental health issues. I don't know if that's re- more related to this year as opposed to next year. So hopefully, hopefully that'll go ahead, man. But, um, I think they had some stuff planned now, but, um, yeah, cool. So, um, <laughs> obviously I've been on tour with you. I've had a little taste of, of, of what the guys are like. And I think they were probably, that was probably a mild version of, of the band. Have you got any kind of hilarious or comical stories you're allowed to tell me from touring um, with ugly kid, Joe? <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because like, so I met the band in different stages, right? So whenever I first joined the band, Sonny, who's sober and in recovery, was in the band. And Wit was on his, like, clarity thing. So for the first, like, three years of the band, they were, like, sober dudes. Right. And, and Sonny left because he's doing Rock to Recovery. And so Dave came back in, right? The original lineup. And so the, Wit and Dave were, like, 20-year-olds again, except they're, like, 50. So obviously yeah. they're, they're hurting a bit. Um, a lot of them I probably can't say. And honestly, those dudes, as much as they're little demons, like they're not, they're like no. PG 13 to what they used to be, you know, they're just right. annoying at worst. But, um, this one time, so this was when Wit started, you know, getting back into like having some beers with his bros again. And Dave's a seasoned drinker he's from Louisiana. He's, you know, he's got the Southern right. twang, you know, I mean, that boy, <laughs> and whenever we produce, he's in the, he's in the, like they're writing songs. He's like, damn, boy, we need to go to the store. I need a case of choruses. Because he'll drink like four or five beers and then he'll write a good chorus or I need to drink no. another verse. Like he'll have like a couple of beers. And, <laughs> so he's rad like that. He's funny. But you should uh, try that. so we were in, where were we? France. We were in France and it was like the night off. And I remember, uh, 
I was on the phone with like my, my ex at the time and those boys come back and they're hammered. Right. But like Fortman's like, he knows how to handle his, his liquor, like his uh, beer. Wit was like new drunk again. And they were talking about racing. Mind you, these guys are like 52 years old and they're talking yeah. like they're young again. And they're like, Zach, you're going to be the start guy and you're going to see who wins in a race. Like, you know, like I was the cue. Like, all of a sudden I'm in this. I'm like, okay, well, let's do a thing. So, and this was the day before our tour started. We had like a three week run, right? And this was like, <sighs> we just come into France. We're there for a day and then we start the thing. So <laughs> I'm like, ready, go. And they start running and they're sprinting like they're, you know, Usain Bolt. Three feet in, Wit trips over his feet, falls flat on his face. And we're oh, like, no. oh, you know, he gets up and his shoulders like this. He had to go to the doc, uh, emergency room. He like dislocated and broke his collarbone. Oh, so shit. he did the entire tour in an arm sling like this, right? So, which was amazing because he felt pretty stupid. So there's a part in one of our songs in the middle of our set called Doubles Paradise, where when the groove kicks in, Wit makes the crowd do this thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he usually does these big animated, you know, things. And when he did it, he had the cat, he was like, with his little cast on. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I like almost pee my pants every single time. Um, That's funny, man. Yeah, Unf a, unfortunate but funny. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty <laughs> rad in the comical story. There's a bunch of cool stuff, man. Those dudes are great guys. Like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We had a we have a drum tech. Uh, his name's Toshi. He's he's from Japan, so he's lived yeah. the first 20 years of his life in Japan. Moved to England. Didn't know any English. Moved to England because he's a bass player originally. So he has this weird accent where he's like, it's a half Japanese, half British accent. It's the craziest thing I ever heard. Yeah. I, I know, he, I know. Oh, you know Tosh. Tosh. I know. Well, I know him from that tour. I met Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's funny. Oh, hilarious guy. Fucking but, hilarious guy. So yeah. he became my drum tech, right? And so we were, we were playing 90 sets, 90 minute sets. So uh, at the end of the set is everything about you. And I'm just, I'm so tired. Usually by that time, I'm like, it's just the last little bit of everything, right? And Toshi, this is going to sound a little racist, but it's pretty amazing coming from Toshi. Half Jap or he's Japanese. So there's a song at the end of the song where Wit goes, I can't stand to be around. I can't stand to be around. I, right? He loops it. I look over at Toshi, who goes, I can't stand to be around. I. <laughs> and I literally, I almost pee my pants. Like I, and he would do it every show. And I couldn't look at him because if I did, I was going to laugh so hard, I was going to drop my sticks. There was a time where I almost fucked up the whole song because I was laughing so hard at this dude, <laughs> making fun of me, <laughs> you know? And I just like, I can't, I can't do this. Um, yeah, fun. they're just, they're great dudes, man. They're, they're great human beings. Um, I'm very yeah. blessed to have gotten to uh, learn how to tour from those guys. Those dudes yeah. taught me etiquette of tour and they did it gracefully and they did it with love and not this weird stigma and shame, you know? And uh, I was very blessed to have had that or to still have that, you know? Awesome. No, amazing. And um. Yeah, talk, talking about techs, um, I don't know if you you know, but Solge yeah. works for for my band now. Oh, quite, quite, quite a lot. He's been he's been with us, you know, most not every show, but most shows. He's kind of being guitar tech for my old man. So um, he's hilarious in his funny little way. So I was wondering if you had any funny memories of him. Or I, I has he been sober since you worked with him? Or because he since he's been working with us, he's been sober, but he did. He, he did tell me he used to kind of drink a lot. So, you know, it's funny because he, I never remember him drinking out of line. 
you know, uh, so we had another drum tech, Sam, uh, Welsh boy. Did you ever meet Sam? I know who he is. Yeah. He's, yeah. I, I've known him for years. Yeah. So that Sam. was like the joke is like, they're just like, just have a couple beers. Like they'd yeah. always say that to each other, but they never drank in a way that interfered with their job. So I never looked uh, at it that way. But, yeah. uh, uh, I remember soldier before. And I remember, um, when soldier had to have his like, you know, surgery. So he had to stop a lot of what he was eating. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. He just, I don't have any like interesting. St- well, he liked to flash his ass a lot. That was a big thing. Uh, uh. Um, which, yeah, knowing soldier, you're like, Ugh, I, but- I've never seen, I've never seen his ass. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's and uh, <laughs> he'd always say shit, like shit every time. He'd be like, I need yeah. to go, I need to go for a shit. Like he it's the classiest that- thing you've ever heard in your life. He says that about 10 times a day. Yeah, he does, man. <laughs> That's his dream, man. Find a clean <laughs> toilet. Take a yeah. shake. Um, he likes Earl Grey tea at the end of the night. That's his jam. Oh, okay. uh, and we used to do these things. He hated it, right? Because you know Soldier's a ripping guitar player. He is, yeah. Amazing, he's... but he's super shy about it. So wit on purpose, in the middle of the show, if we were headlining, we had as much time as we want. Again, he likes the theater. Soldier, he would make Soldier come on stage, and he would give Soldier the guitar. And you would make Soldier play like a solo for like Amazing. a minute. And Soldier yeah. would just, every time he was just so like, no, no. And then yeah. they make him do it. And uh, it's just funny watching him get so like, just def- mad about it. But at the same time, he would rip the dopest solo and yeah. grumpily take the guitar off and then leave. Just naturally. You know, every time. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, we should make yeah. him do that. No, you should. Like, you should. He would love yeah. it or he'd hate it, but. He'd hate it, but uh, that's the thing because he I, you know, when we, when we, when we were sound checking and a headline gig or whatever, I, you know, I do my drums, my brother Tyler does his bass and then souls would kind of start sound checking my dad's guitar. And then, and he starts playing these like thrash metal riffs. Yeah. And like, sometimes that's the, and I try, I try, I try and play along with him. Not that, not that I can. He always plays like, like a me- like Black metalli- yeah, Black yeah. Metallica. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, that yeah. yeah. He plays that a lot. And, and like I said, oh, do you know any Megadeth? And then you'll play some half-ass Megadeth. But, oh, and then I'm like, I don't know the rest of that. But yeah, it's quite, <laughs> yeah. Fun. It's quite fun because I don't get to play that kind of music. And I can't really play it, to be honest. But I, I enjoy trying. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's fun to have a little jam with him. But I've never like played actual music with him, I'm sure. We get on really well, I think. I, I'm arguably, arguably, definitely arguably one of the more sensible guys on, on tour. So like yeah. me and him kind of like hang out quite a lot. But, um, he's a no, great, he, great experience. He's, he's a great level head. Um, by the way, ask yeah. him. I forgot what it's called, but when he was in a band when he was younger, I think it was called like Excalibur or something. That rings something, a bell, actually. Yeah, something obscure, and he's so embarrassed to talk about it. But <laughs> yeah, he's he's a and he's a great tech. Um, yeah, he, he is. Yeah, he's he's very reliable. Uh, you know, it's interesting in this industry, right? It's it's it, I'm ta- I'm not. I mean, he's an amazing tech, but it's amazing how. Even if you're not an amazing tech, if you're capable, responsible, and easy to get along with, you'll never stop working. People will deal with a subpar performance if you're yeah. simple to get along with, you're accountable and reliable. So to boot, he's also an incredible tech. I mean, he's he's a gem. Yeah, you know, he's, and he work he works his ass off. He works so hard, and he, he uh, he'll make sure you know he'll start kind of bending strings in like hours before the show, and yeah, he's, he's you know he. he and then he never does anything wrong. Like never, yeah. like bad things don't tend to happen. And it's because he, he's doing everything right. And he goes further than he needs to, 
to get the job done. And I, you know, I he's probably not listening to this. Maybe you listen to this if you're on it, actually. Like soldier, maybe we will. love you. Yeah, maybe he will. I'll send him the link and see if he says anything. I won't tell him that he's in it. That he's in it, yeah, yeah. I won't you know, tell him, and, and I'll let, he'll probably message me or you then if he does listen to it. But um, yeah, it's interesting, even just on that, like this industry, you know, the whole thing. It's just who you know, and I never got that until I started doing it, and you realize, like, you know, I would get calls to do tours for people I've never met, who are there's tens of thousands of dollars involved in these tours, plus the money they're going to pay you for them to meet you like the day of rehearsal for one day rehearsal and then start the tour. Right. Oh, yeah. So they're putting so much faith in a stranger simply yeah. off the referral of someone else. Yeah. So it's like, it's crazy how, and that's most of us get our jobs. Same with techs, you know, we, Oh, I know a guy cool. Well, I trust you. So I'm going to trust true. my entire, you know, financial obligations with this right. one guy who could, for all sorts of purposes, suck and ruin everything. But yeah, or, most or of the time, it, yeah, or it could be a total prick. So, but it's yeah. like, it's interesting how it is who you know in the sense of every gig I've ever gotten that's, you know, afforded me the ability to pay bills and stuff has all been because someone referred me, you know, uh, awesome, even doing man. the, uh, even the audition for Ugly Kid Joe's because someone they knew referred me. So it's really interesting how important it is to, like I said, be easygoing, be capable, be responsible. Because I know for me, when I get calls that I, I can't do, right? Either that I just, they're not my, you know, I'm not going to do the gig. I only have like three guys I'll pass the gig on to because I only trust three guys. Because yeah. if they, if I refer someone and they fuck up, it looks, it reflects on me now. So I'm not yeah. going to get those calls. So like we have to be super cautious. So like soldier, that dude will work forever because he has so many references. Yeah. He'll just keep, he'll just get calls from strangers, you know? And yeah. it's like, we trust you because, you know, someone referred him. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting how this industry works. Yeah. You know? but no, it is interesting. Any, anybody in drum techs who are listening or, or guitar techs, or whatever, not everyone's a drummer that listens to this show. Yeah. It's important. And yeah, hopefully that inspires a few people to kind of how, how it should be done. You know, he's, you know, he's not, he's not a young guy. And he's been doing it a long time, but he still works his ass off, you know. So, and he gets plenty of work out of it. So, yeah, let's stop talking about souls now because, you know. Yeah, we've just ate deserve... up a lot of this time. Yeah, he didn't deserve yeah, that yeah. much. He doesn't deserve that much time. But um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, like, you know, be, being a drummer is a very physical job. You know, I'm not saying every drummer in the world is fit and healthy, but I know you are and you're well into your fitness. And that tour that we did with you, I remember you you were going out running, you were drinking protein shakes and stuff like that. Um, have you got, well, obviously you've talked about a little bit about the rock climbing and stuff. Um, but I also, well, you mentioned it earlier and I also read that you, you've got type one diabetes. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have all these machines. Yeah. I'll show you right now. I got this hooked up to me. I got that hooked up to me. Yeah, man. And uh, these things have to just live on me forever and I change them out. And uh, at the time, I don't think I had the pump. I was still doing like injections and pricking my finger. Luckily yeah. with technology these days, um, you know, it's, it's made it so much easier to manage and be capable of, um, yeah. you know, but it's a trip because yeah, there was times where, and I remember when I first started touring with the dudes, like you're on a bus and you're in these weird parts of the world where there's no food, there's nothing. So I had to make sure like, like I told all the guys like, Hey, this Coke in the fridge or this orange juice in the fridge, like that's mine. Yeah. Because if I, if my blood sugar drops in the middle of the night, 
and we're in somewhere of nowhere, the country of France, and I can't stop and get sugar. Like it's bad news. So like everyone was cool and respective. Like you That's have cool. to, you have to always be thinking or leading into a show. I have to know like, where's my blood sugar at? Uh, I need to kind of make sure my blood sugar is high enough to where I can sustain it. Um, yeah. through, you know, through that much energy, course, I always, yeah. always, always go on stage with the Gatorade or a protein or a Powerade, like a Gatorade or, yeah. uh, you guys have another one starts with an L. Lu- um, Aid. Yeah. Lucasade. Yeah. That's like yeah. one of the ones we'd always get. I'd always go on stage with the Lucasade because I need to have that sugar replenishment. There's been times where I remember my blood sugar would drop mid song and I have to yell to my tech like, Hey, I need something. So he okay. runs off and I know I'll be fine, but I have to wait that 10 minutes for it to kick in. In the meantime, I'm trying to keep. So, wow. you know, on top of trying to stay fit for being capable of having that job, yeah. also managing my diabetes for it. But I remember I never wanted to be a victim of my body, you know? Like yeah. just because I have this disease, just because I have this physical job, I, I never wanted to have an excuse saying like, I couldn't do it because, you know, I just was like, fuck it. If I didn't do it, it's because I, I failed at doing it. Not because I didn't think I was capable of trying. That's but yeah, exercising, exercising is huge for me. Um, you know, I wanted to be able to be capable of giving every single ounce of energy into that show at whatever show I'm playing. So to be capable physically to handle it. Um, and for extended periods, as you know, we sometimes tour, you know, 28 days out of a month, if you're going yeah. out for that kind of a run. Yeah. And as a drummer, like, fuck man, like you're <laughs> your skin's all tore up, your tendons, your joints, your neck, your back. So it's just, everything hurts. So it's like, you've got to yeah. stay physically capable. Yeah, man. Know? So yeah. So that's, so if you know you've got a tour like that coming up, is, is there anything in particular or special that you do on the lead up to that tour that you would not do yeah. normally if you had like six months off or whatever? What kind of stuff are you doing to prepare yourself? So I always try, I always find exercise, even when I was doing drugs, like I would, I would still find time to exercise. That's always been a huge part of cool. my brand. I like physicality. Um, but I know if I'm going on tour or I got a bunch of shows. Um, I do a lot of cardio, a lot of running, a lot of high intensity workout. So maybe not weights as much, but body weight stuff. And it fast, you know, basically get your heart rate up to the point where you're going to throw up and keep pushing that. Like, don't let yourself down, you know, almost get to that throw up point and push a little bit farther because sometimes that happens mid show. I always wanted to mimic what it's like to be halfway through a set muscles cramping, can't catch your breath and you're in the middle of a song. So it doesn't matter. You have to keep going. So kind of keeping my body in that state of stress continuously yeah, um, with high cardio. Um, that way, when I get into the show, I'm adapt. My brain knows how to handle that. My brain knows how to stay calm and focused while my body's in a very high stress environment. I think that's why I like climbing too. Cause it's similar. Sometimes you're in these positions where, you're on the wall and you're just, everything physically is going wrong and you have to hone your brain. Like your wow. brain cannot lose focus because otherwise it's going to fall apart. And like, you know, it shows it can't fall apart. No. So you have to do what you have to do to get through it. So mostly what I'm doing, yeah, I'm training my body to get used to the physicality of slamming. Like I always think I want to break everything when I play, yeah. uh, but you're training your mind to be capable of handling that kind of stress. So nothing, if something happens, it's like, okay, cool. Keep going. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, that, that's that's great great advice for anyone. I think I was, now the the next thing I was going to talk about is warming up. I can't remember kind of if you have any kind of routines or anything. Do you, what do you kind of do before a show directly before a show? So about an hour before I do it, it takes me about an hour. Um, I'm very conscious to, I don't speak, like if I have to make phone calls, I don't do any of that at least two hours before. So I get yeah. my head right. Um, I make sure I eat two hours before, but never sooner. Um, an hour before I start stretching, I usually do about 15, 20 minutes of stretching. Um, a lot of legs, lower back, shoulders, forearms. Um, so my, you know, my lactic acid's out. And then I have a very specific uh, pad routine I do with my hands. Oh, cool. uh, do you know uh, the thing, uh, stick, um, stick control book? It's like a 1940s book. Snare I know drumming. of it. I've never yeah. looked at it myself, to be honest. Oh, it's yeah, rad. It's, I think it's, it's page, well known. Page like six or something. Uh, it's a sheet and it basically takes you through. So singles, right? And I do these finger firing exercises. So I'll do... Like I'll just get my singles going and I'll do like eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, left, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, together eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, then alternating eight. And oh, I'll cool. just kind of and I'll go slow. I'll do it with wrist and fingers. All right. And then I'll uh switch to just finger firing. So I'll hold the stick on my fulcrum and yep. then I'll do eight middles, eight rings, eight wow. pinkies. So I'm activating each pulley, right? Yeah, and yeah. then I'll and, and I'll just do that until it feels good. And then I'll do solid wrists, right? I'll do eight where I'm only wrist strokes, right? So what I'm doing is I'm opening up every kind of muscle and tendon from the big. Um, George Colias explained it really well when he talked about double bass drumming is there's three gears, right? There's gear one, which is the big motions. This, that's a big motion. That's gear. That's big muscle tissue. That's big gear. Gear two, which is kind of like the hybrid. It's mixing the fine muscle groups with the big mm. ones. That's more your middle. And then there's gear three, which is your really fast, fine twitch muscles. Now you got to warm up each gear. Otherwise, you know, you're not gonna be able to shift through them appropriately as you need them. So he shows it with his feet. I mimic it with my hands. And then I go through singles, doubles, inverted doubles, uh, paradiddles with all of their inversions. Cause there's three inversions of a paradiddle. Yeah. And then I'll do flam accents, uh, flam taps, flam triplets. And I'll go through the three of those. Right. And then after that, I'll just kind of shed just to kind of, you know, get my hands moving. Yeah. Um, I'm very conscious of that. And all the while I'm tapping my feet to keep pulse. So I have reference, get cool. my coordination yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Usually that takes me about 15, 20 minutes. And then after that, I just, I about five, 10 minutes for the show, I stopped doing all of it, but I kind of just keep moving around, do a couple push-ups, get the blood going. Nice. You know, nice. and that's kind of my routine. I'm very um, adamant about it. Cause I notice if I don't do those, usually something kind of goes wrong. It prevents injury. Uh, it yep. helps keep me loose. Cause you know, also I'm slamming, I'm hitting as hard as I can, yes, but I'm not, hit, I'm hit very hard. <laughs> I'm holding the sticks. So I drop sticks all the time. Cause I'm actually holding the stick so lightly. You can just come and take it out of my hand. Like I don't hold oh. the stick tight at all. Cause what you're doing is when you hit, you have all that vibration, it's got to dissipate. Otherwise it goes into your arm. What does exactly. that do? That creates that's shock good. and it yeah. creates cramping. And that's when we get that monkey hand when we play. Yeah, because our hand has gone into shock because all that vibration. So you have to play loose, fluid. Um, yeah. So I mean, these. I mean, I could nerd out on for an hour just on my technique shit I do, but uh, yeah, I'm very conscious of that. There's a lot that goes into that to be able to make it look seamless. You know? Yeah, I, th I think that's a great way, and it's great that you have a strict routine. Because um, a lot of guys I've spoke to, 
it's kind of like, yeah, I kind of have a, I do a bit of pad work, you know, and it's kind of, and same with me. And the last few years I've tried, but I've never had a strict routine. I just try and at least spend at least half hour, which probably isn't long enough. Just getting the fingers moving and yeah, stretch. I've always stretched, which was important, but I never used to really get the pad out before a gig. And I have started doing that a lot more. And I just feel more comfortable then when I get behind the kit and I'm ready to go. It doesn't take me those three or four songs to kind of get into it. I just feel like I'm ready to go. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds like a really good routine. I'll, I'll check out that page. I should really buy that book because everyone goes on about their yeah. book. And, um, you know, I'm not. I got to tell I'm, you, bro, the biggest um, thing I see drummers, uh, the difference between you look at like Dave Weckle and Cal Yuta and these fools and then other drummers, which are, is their ability to implement diddles, which a diddle is a double stroke, right? Yeah. Para, yeah. single, single, diddle, yeah. two, right? Yeah. So para, diddle, two alternatings and a double. To be able to implement doubles into their sheds, the economy of motion, the efficiency is so much uh, better. And you learn a lot of this by watching gospel chops drummers. A lot of these, uh, you know, uh, like Eric Moores and, and a lot of these fools that shed, right? They call it shedding. And you're yeah. watching like, what are they doing? Because it sounds crazy. Well, what they're doing is they're singing a rhythm in their head, like ba 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 So then they're putting a pad of notes underneath it, right? So it's this underlying notes with accents, and they're doing it with diddles and hand foot subs substitutions, right? So their economy of motion is really effective at implementing these patterns on different voices. And it gets to the point where they don't hear the voices anymore. They can hear the pattern underneath the voice. And when I say voice, I mean like a crash is a different voice than a tom, which is a different yeah. voice than a snare. Um, but you can play one pattern across all these voices and it sounds like a million things. So it's breaking it down tight enough to where you can do these. And a lot of it comes from paradiddles, inversions of paradiddles and foot hand combinations like substitutions. And you put those three together and it will take your drumming to a next level. And in theory, it's, it's super simple. It just takes time to practice and implement it into your, into your body. Yeah. And just make it feel like a, na a natural thing rather than you're actually thinking about what yeah. you're trying to do. It's just kind of just an immediate, yeah, that's cool. And it's an organic yeah. expression. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great advice. Um, absolutely, man. That's cool. So yeah, practice your power doodles, everybody. I know it's no. boring, but do it, do it. I need to do it more, definitely, absolutely. Um, what, what what gear are you using right now? You, you say you play Pearl drums. Yeah, so I got uh, endorsed by, well, Sabian was my first endorsement uh, in 2012. Uh, I got Pearl not too long after. Um, so Regal Tip Sticks, Pearl Drums, Sabian Cymbals. And honestly, um, you know, I, I feel bad because... Pearl, I endorse them, but I don't have the hugest relationship because I don't buy drums much, to be honest. No. I use them when I go on tour. And actually, I have a better relationship with the Pearl UK people, Pearl Europe people than Pearl oh. US. Oh, because wow. when I tour US, I just have my kit. So I'll just bring my drums to the US tours. I really only need those kit like to contact them when I go to Europe. So um, I have better relationships with those guys, even though great company, great drums. I've never gotten a kit that uh sounded bad that felt bad and honestly sabian i i've always loved sabian symbols um shannon is when i first got the ugly kid joe gig shannon's the one who introduced me to the rep ah, cool. um and 
they're just, they've always treated me so well. Like I've never been one of their top dogs ever. Like, you know, there's so many guys that are the, the dudes of the dudes of the dudes. Right. And, and they've have, never, yeah. yeah. And they've, they've never treated me any less. Uh, they've always been there for me. They've always gone out of their way. Even this last gig, I needed two new symbols. Cause you know, I haven't played a drum set other than a couple of recording sessions uh, in like 20 months. So I haven't talked to him in almost two years. And I was like, oh, I kind of feel bad. Like, you know, and right away, hit me back up. You know, how's it going, man? What's up? What do you need? You know, and I could drive into the thing. Let you, it's just they're amazing people, man. Amazing huh. people. And then uh, Regal Tip Sticks. Um, you know, I got with them later. I got them in 2017. Um, okay. Amazing people. Uh, it's a smaller company. You know, even though yeah. they're actually one of the oldest drumsticks from the U.S., uh, they are a smaller company um out of niagara falls new york and uh cool. yeah i just but also i i've been really getting into my electric kit um i'll show you right now i'm gonna take a turn you yeah so this is my do. little studio that's my oh, wow. rolling td25 i got a little like midi pad over there and then uh my launch pad that i run into ableton um and i do a lot of that so i've been getting really so when you posted that picture earlier with your electric yeah. drums I was like, dog, I feel you. You know, I've been really getting into that, like drum and bass, uh, oh, jungle cool. drumming. Nice. Um, and linking into that. So I'm really loving this rolling kit too. Epic, man. Yeah, yeah. Like I've had the uh, the electric kit for for practicing on really because of the volume. Yeah. And I've never really got into the whole kind of drum programming side of things and, and MIDI and recording in MIDI and stuff like that. Um I just thought, well, I've technically got the gear to do it. I've just never really tried. And everyone is doing it these days. And like a few people have approached me about, can I do home recordings? And I'm like, I can't really, because I don't know how. So I want to at least be able to give them something relatively professional sounding yeah. from my house, you know? So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to aim to do that. Um, cause I do appreciate being asked and it's quite nice. People are actually asking me to record drums for them. But um, I, historically, I've always had my my brother who plays guitar in the band. He's, he's kind of the producer guy. He like records. He's been recording bands for you know, the best part of 15 years. Oh, wow. And he did our last album and stuff like that. So I've always kind of gone to him for anything I need to record drums. I've always relied on him instead of learning how to do it myself. Um, yeah. And obviously at home because of the volume is kind of like, well, everyone's using electric drums now to get really realistic acoustic drum sounding recordings. And, and it, it's getting hard to tell the difference. It yeah. is, I've heard things that I assumed were real drums and they said, no, dude, that was just programmed. I was like, what? It sounds so realistic. So yeah, it's, op it's opened my eyes a little bit. And, um, even sampling, like yeah. how many times have we done sessions? And you go in and maybe half of it's your real drum. They sample over, they put additional. Yeah. Very, I, I literally only think I have two or three recordings I could think of where it's like my drums just mixed. There's nothing on top of my drums, you know, because it's yeah. so common standard practice. But bro, I got to tell you, like, well, I think we're very blessed in the sense of not a lot of people can make a career with drums, only playing drums, especially with nowadays, like programming being able to engineer, being able to play an additional instrument on top of your drums. Like most people, most drummers, that's how they have to kind of, you got to start wearing more and more and more and more hats and be more and more capable because that's yeah. where the industry is going. That's where the music is, right? Absolutely. Um, so same thing. I didn't have any interest or idea how to do any of it till COVID hit. 
all my tours canceled. And just for fun, I was like, well, I got time. I'm on unemployment right now. So let's <laughs> yeah. figure this shit out. And uh, it's just opened up a whole new world. And it's really fun and, and cool and interesting, but it's tedious, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, like just this afternoon, I spent about two hours. I was watching YouTube videos, reading forums, just to figure out how to get the kit talking to, what am I using? Something slate something steven slate oh steven slate yeah, yeah yeah it's like the free i just downloaded the free version because i just want to before i spend money on it i want to kind of figure out how it all works first and just and then maybe i'll buy something that's actually got more sounds on it eventually but um I dude could, i know. met steven slate once a what? long time ago so i was my first recording ever was with this like black folk black metal band i had right we were recording in the valley 2011 no wow. late 2010 and Steven, so this is before Steven Slate was like what he was. At the time, he was just building gear. He built a lot of production gear. So, like, people knew him in the production world, but he wasn't Steven Slate, you know? Yeah. And we're doing this session, and this guy shows up, total, like, slicked hair, fast-talking salesman, right? Comes in, and he had built them, like, a preamp. And we're there in the middle of our session. He shows up, and he's just going on about selling this, selling this, selling this, selling this. I mean, smoothest talker I've ever seen. And I just remember... Be like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, get out of our session. And the producer's like, dude, this, this is Steven, Steven Slate. It's nice. And he's like, oh, very nice to meet you. And then goes on his thing and he leaves. I never thought anything of it. I just remembered the impact he had on me. And then years later, because I remember he's like, oh, I'm a drummer. I was like, cool, bro. Leave. You know, like, like this, I'm paying to be here. And um, later, like, like three, four, five years later, he came out with his, his first set of like Steven Slate, you know, drum samples and it became the standard. And then now Steven Slate is one of the biggest names in, uh, drum sampling and so yeah. it's cool i feel like i got to meet him when he was just some guy building gear for people you know yeah man you've got to meet a few quite a few cool people then they play that's awesome yeah it's just a world i i don't know a lot about because i've never dealt with this so yeah you know i'm trying I'm trying to kind of do that thing and learn and but like i don't know it is what it is man that, that's bloody awesome and um one one other thing that when you say about wearing different hats, it's like drum teaching. I know you kind of used to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I, you mentioned you maybe not doing so much of that anymore. Is it, like a few people have asked me recently about, do you give lessons? And I'm like, well, I don't really. I, I've never felt confident enough to do it. But do you have any tips for a someone who maybe wants to start considering teaching, or how or, or how to go about like planning a lesson or anything yeah. like that? A hundred percent. Um so anyone can teach man the, the thing is this is if you know more than someone else you can yeah. teach them that's they it even if you, you even if you don't think you know as much if you know more than someone who doesn't you can teach them what you know yeah right yeah. and you don't have i mean people don't realize how capable they are of just showing a lot of people don't even know how to hold a drumstick you know yeah. uh people don't even know how to play basic chord like we i think we take for granted i learned this when i first started teaching right i take for granted what I know, because I've had to build on it so many levels that you try to show someone what you think is beginner level and you realize they can't do that. So you're like, oh shit, well, how did I learn to do that? Okay, I have to take it down a step. They can't even do that. Oh shit, I gotta teach them how to like do a- How to count. <laughs> that, yeah, how to yeah. count. Like, it's, yeah. So yeah. we take for granted how much we know because we compare ourselves to people who are above and beyond when really the mass of the universe and like how many human beings there are they don't know a lot, which is fine. It's cool, but you are capable. I mean, the fact that you, you know, have a career as a, you work, you are a working musician that's yeah. above and beyond a 
lot of human beings on this planet who want that. And so you are capable. So how I recommend it is, is I would always ask that first, like, what are you trying to get? What do you want? You know, what's the, what's your end game? Right. Yeah. Cause you don't want to teach them something they don't want to know about. If they're a rock yeah. drummer, want to learn how to play food fighters, you're, you're not going to be like, all right, cool. We're going to do some jazz thing. No, you're going to teach them or vice versa. Yeah. Um, so you figure out their end results, right? A big thing I focus on is, um, technique that's huge, right? Cause how do you not hurt yourself? And yeah. then mindset, right? That's, because that's an interesting one. Yeah. Most it's of our a- instrument begins up here, right? People always talk about like they, and I learned this from Jojo Mayer, who's a drummer's drummer. Uh, he said one time, if you want to play fast, you have to learn to hear fast. And what he means by that is a lot of people have the physical capability of moving their body quickly, right? But they can't orchestrate it in a musical sense in a fast way. And what he means by it is you have to be able to hear the phrase and it makes sense in your head before your hands can translate it. So meaning it starts here to be able to process and move it downwards, right? Absolutely, yeah, that makes so sense. So if, if you wanna be able to speak fast, you have to learn how to hear words quickly, think and process them quickly so your tongue can then do it. Same thing with the drums. Mm. So it's figuring out what they want, focusing on technique, because a lot of that, that's huge. And then yeah. teaching them, you know, where they should be at in their brain when they approach the drum set, you know, uh, to get the most out of it. I was a big believer in effective practice makes perfect, not practice. I can sit here and, you know, beat off on a drum set for three hours and not do shit. Or I could be effective with my practice for 30 minutes and get, you know, tons out of it because I'm approaching it in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I listened to a few people kind of talk about effect. Yeah. That's the way with effective practice and actually planning what you're going to, try and practice for X amount of time and what you're hoping to achieve rather than just play. Yeah. Oh, right. I have to say this cause this is huge uh, for teaching and for anybody. Yeah. There's a, there's a three minute rule. Have you heard this? Don't think so. No. Yeah. Go the on. math Go is ahead. this. It takes three minutes of any consecutive motion or activity for your brain to take it from its short-term memory to its long-term memory. Right. Oh, wow. Meaning okay. this, if you say the word guitar, cause I'm looking at your guitars over and over and over again on repeat in a pattern at like two minutes, you're going to lose meaning of the word. And you're actually not even going to say it. So you're going to be like, guitar, guitar. cause what's happening is your brain. Every time you say it has to drive its path to get it done. And you're doing it over and over your brain goes, this is tiring. I don't like this. Stop. And it makes it difficult. So then after about two minutes, your brain goes, all right, apparently this guy's not going to stop. I need to figure out a more effective way to do this. And it's going to carve a new pathway that's more effective. And at about three minutes, you'll notice your brain starts actually, you can do it again. So, but you can't stop. So a lot of people, you see them practice. They do something for 10, 15, 20 seconds, even a minute. Like, cool, I got it. No, you don't. The second you stop, your brain shut off. And it's still in your short-term memory. It takes three minutes of repetitive motion without stopping. Even if it's wrong, just keep moving for your brain to then learn it. So if you do something for three to four minutes and you stop, and then you come back five minutes later, you would be incredibly amazed how much easier it is to do than it was the first time. Versus doing something for 30 seconds isn't going to do shit. Or it's going to take a really long time. So anytime... You do so. I would do exercises with people, and I'd put a timer, and we do it for three minutes, and I encourage them to go through it. I do it with them, you know, so that way they have the 
the camaraderie of it. But that's a huge thing for practice too. It takes three minutes of any repetitive motion for your brain to start developing a more effective habit of doing it. That's an amazing advice. Yeah, I've heard something similar about something else, but that totally makes sense. And it's not three minutes isn't a long time for for you know if you've got an hour's space to practice, you can do lots of little three minute sections. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's painful after like two yeah. minutes. You're like, like your brain's hurting trying to do the thing. But you know, but it's worth it. You know, if it, if it means you can more naturally do it the next time, or the, or you can wake up the next day and you can kind of do it without feeling like yeah. you're trying so much. I guess that's, I guess that's the idea. Yeah. And so, that's, that's the, the memory effective practice. That's yeah. how you can get, you know, I remember, like I said, I went to MI and I would do these for hours every day. I took, honestly, I got like 10 years of experience in like two or three years of practice. Cause I was just very effective. Yeah, with yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, man, that's bloody awesome. Bloody but that's awesome, my advice. That's my yeah. advice to anyone. And just do it. Just say yeah. yes. Yeah, I think I am gonna. I have to start it soon. Let's let's let's, let's get it on. Let's do yeah. it. Wicked man, that's great. And so last last kind of question that I ask all of my guests: if you could create your own dream band with yourself on drums, right? You can have any members playing any instruments from anyone in the history of music, dead or alive. You can't choose members of Ugly Kid Joe because that's not fair. That's true. Who would you have playing the other instruments with you? Oh, man. Um, Jaco Pastorius on bass. Nice. Oh, he's one of my, he's, well, that's why I've got Incredible. a bass there, man. That's, yeah, yeah. He's my, he's my, he's my dude. <laughs> um, shit, guitar's tough. Honestly, it's, it's going to be people that aren't even rock or metal. Uh, yeah. Either Pat Matheny on guitar. Nice. nice. Uh, or Carrie King, which I know is complete opposites. We opposite. got Pat Metheny or Slayer, but like either one, I'm like, yeah, stick them um, both together, man. Yeah, stick them. And honestly, <laughs> this is this is my dream, right? Celine yeah, yeah. Dion on vocals. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm a huge Celine Dion she, fan. If I could back is. Celine Dion, oh, like that gig, I would die. I would I would die for that gig. She, Celine, she is incredible. Give me your gig. Yeah. Give me a gig. Come on, man. You, you might get that call one day because someone would have recommended you. Because exactly. Stuff you done, yeah. You might get the Celine Dion gig. Oh, yep. that's, she's that's the first time she's come up. Fair play. We've had we've had Freddie Mercury about ten times, and well, well deservedly. But, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, nice man. That's the first Jacko, which I'm glad because I'm a big fan. And when I was younger, I kind of got into. I was a drummer, and then I kind of got into bass guitar later on. And I actually had bass lessons for a few years, and it was kind of like oh really kind of jazz oh, cool. fun, jazz funk thing and. I don't play at all anymore. Um, I kind of you finished. have one. You have, I have one right one. there. I have one. I, it's I right there. Right it's right there. No, no, I, I pick it up every now and again. But I mean, like, I don't play in any bands. I don't record, yeah. or I don't. I kind of don't jam. But yeah, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm fairly capable. I'm not. I'm. I used to be a lot better than I am now, after years of not playing, which is a shame. But um, yeah, you know, he was my. He was kind of like my guy. Yeah, and I guess most play- bass players who play with their fingers are like Jacko is the man. He's incredible, <laughs> man. He's he's. Yeah. There would be no Dennis Chambers, there or not Dennis Chambers. Uh, uh, Victor Wooten. Sorry, I was thinking drummers. There'd yeah. be no Victor Wooten. There'd be no all these other fools of Jocko. And talk yeah. about a nutbag. Jocko was insane. But yes. that dude, that dude, just get him on his instrument and he'd drop drop jaws. You yeah. know, I don't. There's never been anyone. Obviously, I thought people try to try to imitate what he did, but in terms of 
how we revolutionize the instrument. I don't, I can't think of anyone on any instrument that did the same thing as him. So yeah, no. it's the same thing. John Bonham did for the drums. I gotta be fully well, yeah. honest, man. Like I never was, when I was younger, I was never fully impressed with Bonham because I was like, what? There's so many drummers who can do so much more. I didn't take the impact as to no one did that. Yeah. Like he yeah. originated, like everything that I know is built off of that. So when I yeah. think of them, like, Oh shit. Like that's so impactful. Same with like Jaco, man. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. No, good. Uh, we have to squeeze Barnum in somewhere. You normally, you normally squeeze him in somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always. But, they have to, you know, you have to, man. Yeah. Well, well great. Well, um, just really want to thank you really. Um, for, I, I've really enjoyed this. It's probably one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. So this thanks. is fun, man. I really yeah. appreciate it. This we could probably really go great. on for another. We could probably go on for another hour, but I'm not. I'm going to stop it here. And um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll let you get get on with the rest of your, your sunny day in California. Yeah, you got to um, go to bed, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to go to bed. I go feed my cat and um, check she's all right. And yeah, I go to bed. And um, yeah, so if I know you're on Instagram, so at Zach Morris Drum. So Zach Z or Z A C. No, no K or H or whatever. No. Um, yeah. uh, you on? You not on Twitter or Facebook or anything? Uh, my Facebook is, uh, honestly, I barely check it. It's just, nah. it's the same Zach Morris, Z-A-C-M-O-R-R-I-S. Yeah. But yeah, all my yeah. things are at Zach Morris drums. So at Z-A-C-M-O-R-R-I-S-D-R-U-M-S. That yeah, always man. tripped me out. Like, you guys say Z, but yeah. Yeah, we say Z. Yeah, then I corrected myself because you're American. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. Um, yeah, we, yeah, great. We're the yeah. only country that says Z, by the way. We're the only country. Everyone oh, else right. says Z, yeah. Weird. Yeah, yeah we're weird, strange. man. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Cool. Right. Um. Hopefully, I'll get to see you uh, if if you can come to the UK uh, next year. If it's not this year, um, it'll be great to catch up and and come and check you guys out again. Um, I would say we'd come to America and play, but that's probably never going to happen. So yeah. I'd love. Well, at I'd some love, point, I'd love to. At some yeah, point, yeah. I'll make my way back over. So uh, yeah, I, you know, fingers hit, crossed as to what that is, and we'll we'll get to kick it. Yeah. Hit me up, man. Great. Cool. Awesome. Thanks again, Zach, and best of luck with everything. Thank you so much, my guy. Yeah, cheers. See ya. Drum for the Song Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drum for the Song Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please consider liking the video and subscribing if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave me a review or comment, that would be fantastic too, as it helps other people discover this show. Please also consider sharing this with any family members or friends who might enjoy the content. You can also follow me on social media at Dane underscore drums or at Drum for the Song, or search for Drum for the Song on Facebook to follow the page and join the official Facebook group. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could purchase some merchandise from drumforthesong.com or consider supporting me via Patreon from just £3 per month for additional exclusive content like bonus episodes, video calls with myself, competitions, discounts and much more. Any additional support is always greatly appreciated, but I would like to give extra special thanks to my top tier Groove Master patrons, whose names are listed in the description below. My name is Dane Campbell, and thanks so much for watching or listening this far. If you're a drummer, don't forget to drum for the song!